Hello, wonderful musicians, and welcome to the Aligned Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Hankins, and throughout this series, we'll be covering a wide variety of topics all related to musicians' wellness. I'm so excited for what we have planned, and thank you for joining us. Greg Duffy is a singer-songwriter based out of Los Angeles who fuses both dance, pop, and country elements into his songwriting. Building a grassroots fan base across New York City's indie pop scene, Greg has played sold-out shows across New England and California and recently relocated to LA. He's worked professionally at various streaming services and record labels, most recently as the director of analytics at Epic Records. He also teaches professional development in music business at NYU's Clive Davis School of Recorded Music, and he is releasing his full-length album in 2021. Thank you so much for being here, Greg. I'm so excited to learn more about your wellness journey. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. I'm I'm so excited to just learn more about you and um, I really enjoy your music I've listened to a little bit of it and thank you so much so great Um, maybe you could start out by sharing with us how you became a musician and how it seems like you're starting to shift more into the music business world yeah yeah Um, well thanks for having me it's good to be here and talk about music and wellness I think like two things that I care so much about and two things that have so much to do with each other um so for me, I grew up um, in a small town in Rhode Island. Um, I'm one of six kids. So I have like a, a big family and my dad was a, always a big musician, like uh, played the piano and the saxophone and he always sang. And um, so growing up, we all took instrument lessons and almost all of us took piano lessons. And um, I remember being like a little kid, like I probably started at like five years old or five or six. and used to practice like every day like loved it like it was like I had stumbled upon something that like I like even at that age was like so awesome and I couldn't stop doing and then I started developing you know probably like 9 10 11 years old and getting into more like classical stuff and over that time period I kind of like lost some of the interest that I'd had in it or it became much more about like the rote practicing or honestly sometimes I just wouldn't practice and then my piano teacher would yell at me and then my mom would yell at me for not practicing and so I kind of fell out of love with it probably like I don't know early high school and I fought so hard to stop taking lessons and um for a year like I didn't touch the piano at all um I was I was always in school plays and musicals and stuff there's some like really embarrassing pictures of like me and like little school plays back in way back in the day but um I didn't touch it for a year. And then I remember there was this um, competition that I entered for songwriting, like out of the blue. And it was for like a yogurt company. And um, I wrote a love song about yogurt. And this is like somewhere on YouTube, like buried <laughs> in YouTube. And um, and it was not like a steep, com- stiff competition. Like, I don't even know how many entries there were, but I won this like, and it was like a month supply of yogurt. Like it truly was like the, not a big prize. But um, that's when I started being like, oh, I can use the piano. I realized I'd had like the fundamentals. I had the music theory knowledge from when I grew up and um, I didn't have to do like the classical stuff. So uh, I started playing covers like that's when YouTube was kind of coming up too. And so um, covers of Coldplay and like Taylor Swift, like were like <laughs> things I would cover. And I tried to become a better singer too. And so that's when I started like falling back in love with it. Um, like late high school and then 
um, yeah, in college, I was in like kind of these like casual bands or acapella groups and um, started taking it really seriously, like production wise and putting music out when I moved to New York City about six years ago. So that's when like the performing started happening. That was right after college. That's when I started working in the music business at, on like the actual business side. So that's kind of how it all started. And then um, I was just in, I've been in New York the past five years or so, five or six years uh, getting more and more serious about it as I was also in the music business side of things, trying to learn about it. Um, and then I moved out to Los Angeles to really take the plunge into a more songwriting side of things. So long-winded answer to your question, but um, I think a lot of musicians face this like falling out of love with their instrument, which I definitely totally relate to, um, but you kind of come back to it on your own terms and that's what happened to me. Oh my gosh, I totally relate to that so much. Um, there was a period of time during my performance diploma where I just, I quit viola for a year. I was just like, I'm done with music. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And it it's, was, it's scary. Yeah. And it was just like the, the, it just seemed so insurmountable to have to be perfect all the time or to have to like, fit into a certain mold and so I love how you were able to identify that and get entrepreneurial with it and you know start to branch out and find other ways of you know making money as a musician but also like in this whole business side and yeah. um, I know a lot of us are trying to gain traction online right now or create new business ventures and as someone in the music business industry what would you say is are like some important things that maybe we should think about if we're looking to sort of be more entrepreneurial ourselves yeah as as artists or as also as um like entrepreneurs in terms of creating businesses as well outside of their own music oh oh my gosh I mean maybe both <laughs> yeah 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 that's kind of a heavy question for so yeah. a podcast but yeah <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I, I have a couple, I have a few thoughts. One, um, my experience in the music business, I've, I've worked at, like you mentioned earlier, a couple of streaming services and um, record labels. And my goal was to just like learn about the music business side of things, always in an effort to inform my artist strategy. So, um, but also pay the bills. Uh, <laughs> one thing to note about all artists, right, is we all are entrepreneurs in some way. If your art is your is what you are trying to make your living off, you're absolutely, without a doubt, an entrepreneur. Um, and one other thing I'll say before I like jump off is I teaching at NYU in um, the Clive Davis School professional development. You've got students who are dying to make a career out of out of primarily out of their own art. Um, some want to work at labels. Some want to work in management around artists, but most of them want to be artists too. So. It's, it's a question that everybody has to ask themselves who wants to make their art support them. And um, no matter what your art is, if you want it to support you, like you're absolutely an entrepreneur and have to be your own marketer, your own business person, like your, your bookkeeper and all this stuff, which is like such a, which feels insurmountable to use the word that you used. Um, but in terms of tips or in terms of like strategies, um, I would, I would say what I just touched on is probably the biggest one, which is like your art is going to be a percentage of 
the work that you do to monetize and take care of all of your your entire business so you may relate to this i think a lot of artists i definitely relate to this it's like i love songwriting and i love performing and those two things drive me crazy and give me a high like nothing else however if i am trying to monetize those things in such a way that will support me in a really difficult industry at a difficult time economically speaking particularly in this year like how do i do that and i have to be okay with some of the parts that aren't as sexy as those things that i really love so what i would say um like creating your own llc is like one thing i recommend for everybody and it's not as scary as it sounds um like there are a bunch of services online that help you but that helps you for tax reasons you have to become a tax expert in terms of uh how you monetize your work and then the different breaks you can get and so i think there's a ton of things you have to be an entrepreneur or like a renaissance person uh in terms of being uh adequately adept at managing all of the business side of things and it's not all the fun stuff but what i always try to remember is like the fun stuff is why I do all the hard stuff. It's work kind of just like anything else, the, the hard stuff, but your reward is is great. So I don't know if that's helpful. I hope that's helpful. Um, there's some concrete tips there. We can keep going. <laughs> well, I, I just feel like at least in my own experience, I did actually have to take a music business class for a couple semesters in undergrad, yeah. which I'm super grateful for. Yeah. And I feel like that at least gave me some foundation, but um the rest of my time in school you know universities and conservatories often don't offer those kinds of classes and it can feel a lot like you have to have all your eggs in one basket that is your performance ability mm -hmm. and i actually agree like so much with what you just said that we actually need to have like as many baskets as we need at the end of the day to just make this work yeah and it's okay if some of those things aren't music related yeah. um but i oh my gosh i think that's such an important thing like to remember as musicians that we are honing our craft and we do want to become really great musicians but being a musician and surviving is so much more than that and it's so much it can be very fulfilling too, to realize that, oh, it's not about being a perfect musician. It's actually about like, how do we define success from this like much broader perspective? Totally. Like the definition of success is something like humanity struggles with, right? But I think particularly artists trying to like, knowing they have something to say and trying to say it and trying to survive off, off saying it. Um, one thing that um, is, is like one of the biggest struggles is doing all the not fun stuff so that you can have the fun stuff. But like you said, I think we're much more multifaceted than like the one piece of art or the one type of art that we make. And I've, I'm sure you know a bunch of musicians that have side hustles and that type of thing. What I care so much about, and this is like something that I've tried to communicate to people in my life who are like kind of, you know, people that don't know why you're being a musician or like kind of, oh, can you make money off that? Is like, there are tens of thousands of musicians and artists who make enough of a living to survive, like to live like middle-class musicians, what we might call. And there's the 1% that people know all the names of, and there's totally 
a sustainable lifestyle. It's hard work, but there's a bunch of people doing it that you don't know, you don't know their name, but they're making a, like a fulfilled life out of making a middle class like income off their art. And I think that that's not something that's often talked about. It's not, and again, it's not easy, but it's something that um, is true. And I think is something to strive for. Your goal can be, you can shoot for the stars, but know that there's, like you said, if you get the skills to like have your hands in a lot of baskets and continue to, you know, follow your dream and live your life in a sustainable way. And it's, oh my gosh, it's so much easier said than done because yeah, I know yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people listening feel like with everything that's going on with gigs and uncertainty, it can feel like, um, it can feel a little bit overwhelming to suddenly be shoved into this environment where, oh my gosh, I haven't prepared all these other skills. All I've done is just practice my instrument. What do I do? Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, at least, at least everyone's kind of moving that way right now too and realizing that, oh, there are other things out there that can supplement my music making process. Yeah. Um, yeah, without giving it up, like the goal would, you know, always keep that dream right in sight, um, but sustainably build your way toward it, I guess would be like, and again, easier said than done, you know, yeah. I'm conscious of speaking in like cliches and platitudes. Oh, <laughs> but, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's very hard. <laughs> like, we can confirm. Um, and I'm just going to kind of like pivot a little bit here. Yeah, sure. but, um, you had mentioned this idea of what it means to be successful and, you know, musicians and artists kind of struggle with this idea of what it means to be successful. And we're often met with certain expectations of what our art has to be. And that can really take a toll on us and our mental health. So what is your idea of success and how did you find and embody that? Oh, good question. I think um, there's, <laughs> there's so much to that question. It's a, a very good one. Um, so maybe some background for this one too. Um, I think we all at some stage in life wrestle with the, uh, what we want and then what's expected of us. And those two things are very rarely perfectly aligned, right? Um, and what's expected of us coming from many directions, whether it be from parents or you know, mentors or ourselves, right? Oftentimes, particularly artists, like are the most pressure is from oneself to succeed or to compete at like a pristine level. Um, so for me, uh, one of the things that helped get, a, get out of, and I continue to strive to get out of the expectation set. So I think one thing to note is like ongoing journey for me and, and probably most, um, is that uh, I grew up in like a, a small town, like a lot of siblings, um, like I said, and they were all so musically talented. Truly, I cannot, like, I'm a, I am in awe of some of my siblings' musical talent. And it's so funny because like my older brother went into finance, my sister's an accountant, my brother got his PhD in, uh, in philosophy. And I would say in their own ways, they're all of those people and my little they're all they're all better than me and i would say in a lot of ways so um i struggled with with what i might call imposter syndrome when i was like but i'm the one who wants to do it you know what i mean i'm the one who 
wants to make this a career. But right next to me are five other people that I grew up with who are insanely talented. And I see them not going into it. And it's confusing and it's uh, disheartening. Or you're like, well, if they didn't, then I shouldn't, you know? And I think you can do that with peers and everybody's like, well, I'm not the best. And that's probably true. Like there's always somebody that's better. Um, So what I've uh, found to be really helpful is like, it's not so much about that. It's not so much about who's next to you um, and what level that they're at. It's, do you feel in your gut that you need to do this? Like, do you feel like you are called to do this? Um, do you wake up and think about it? And do you, um, does time not like this? Do you lose track of time when you're doing it? Like those types of things are, I think, really good signals to say, regardless of who you're comparing to, you should do this. Um, and so when it comes to success, the definition of success, it's, do I feel like I'm aligned with that gut feeling that I'm still should be doing this? And that's something you can address every day, you know, or every week or every month. And when speaking about wellness and habits, like I journal a lot, and that's something that's really helped me to see how my feelings change over time. Um, but, I, but I still to this day feel like this is what, exactly what I want to be doing. And so that's, I think, the only thing that will sustain you through all the hardship and you might give it up for a year like you did and like I did I think that's okay I think it's okay continuously reevaluate but in terms of success if I wake up and I still feel that feeling about being an artist or being a songwriter um then I think I'm doing it right I think I'm doing the right thing now success oftentimes has like a monetary component to it now you could take or leave that and figure out how to again, build your life off your art. Um, But I think the first thing is, um, do you feel like this is still the thing that's feeding your soul, um, regardless of like whatever's happening around you? Mm, I love that definition because I think so many of us, because we're performing, we can get into this thought pattern too of like, who am I performing for? Who is my audience? Mm -hmm. And when the audience becomes more important than what we want then I think there's there's a problem there and sometimes our audience isn't you know like your stereotypical like audience in a performance hall sometimes the audience is like you said like our peers our family our mentors people that we look up to and it can be hard to feel like you're finding your voice or your place in the music world and when you feel like oh my gosh I'm constantly comparing myself to all these other amazing people that are around me and I it can be so hard too to like find that inner voice and I know you mentioned journaling but is are there any other practices that you do that help you kind of like get clear on what it is that you want and maybe that's tied into with your songwriting process as well Um, but maybe you could share a little bit more about that. Yeah. In terms of like habits and stuff and ways to, yeah, stay clear headed. Um, I think what I've experienced in my own life is like, there's never, there's oftentimes not an aha moment, um, which is something that's helped me. And I've, I've, um, 
talked to some friends who are artists about this too, where it's like, if you're waiting for the thing that will let you know that it's safe to jump or take the leap or something, you, it probably won't come, probably won't come. It's a little bit more like leap and the net will appear. So um, in terms of clear headedness, for me, things happen over time. Things happen gradually. There have been, I would say maybe a few examples, but, but very few where like, I feel like I've experienced like a sign or, or an aha moment and much more like, okay, on a day-to-day -day basis, am I like in touch with myself? Am I like self-aware and present enough to know how I feel? Am I keeping track of that via journaling? Um, and then am I revisiting that and trying to identify like what's happening, trends, like that over time has been extremely helpful. Um, and so I think, you know, I do, I do believe in signs and I do believe like, you know, things can change on a dime, but I think in terms of habits, habits are inherently things you do again and again. And for me, that journaling is a big one. Um, I, I'm big into yoga. Yoga is a really big one and yoga or meditation, like either of those things, both of those, those things I think are really good for staying clear headed. Um, walking is really good. Walking with even with or without music. Um, I think as artists, as musicians, like I think I at least am always tempted to have music playing in my ears. Like it's such a calming thing. Um, but uh, what I would, what has helped me sometimes is to be like force myself, like don't turn on music because music does, you know, it's sort of like relaxing to me or it's like a little bit of a distraction. So carve out time also where I don't put music on and I try to get in touch with what's going on in my head, it's really hard because oftentimes it's like facing things that are really stressful or like things I don't want to face. But um, yeah, all of those are ways to, I think over time identify trends. And that to me has been much more actionable than like waiting for a sign or something, you know? Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and this kind of goes along with that, but how has the creative process of being a songwriter versus being a musician um, affected your health or well-being? Good question. I would say for me, uh, songwriting in particular has given me a language to voice work through things and voice things that I probably wouldn't know how to otherwise. Um, and that's been extremely helpful. So uh, growing up as um, an LGBT teen and like trying to work through feelings and confusion, um, I poured like a ton of energy into songwriting. And it's so funny, I look back at those songs, right? You always look back at like things you did like a while ago, you're like, oh my. God, like, I can't show anybody this. I, I didn't have a laptop at the time. I used like my mom's MacBook. Um, I made up a pseudonym so she wouldn't know that I was like, you know, producing tracks on, in GarageBand on her, on her computer. And it's so funny because I was clearly going through a lot you know, now when I look back because the songs were so like, they were so dramatic. And like, there were things that I had not experienced. You know what I mean? Like the emotions are things I'd experienced, but for example, I wrote a song about um, my dad being a kid, like a five-year-old, and my dad going off to war and me not understanding why. My dad is not a veteran. Like, my dad did not go to war. And I wrote this, like, really, really, like, sad <laughs> song. Another one was, like, um, my, my, like, we're at my grandmother's funeral. My, both, thankfully, both of my grandmothers 
they're still living. You know what I mean? I wrote these like really intense emotional <laughs> songs about things I hadn't experienced, which I think is like, I think I was, I was channeling something. Um, and it was probably a lot of like my confusion in high school and like not feeling like I fit in. Um, so <laughs> it's a long way to way of saying now it's a little more honed. Um, but I would say from the beginning to now um, and into the future, like it has absolutely given me a way to, to say things that I don't otherwise know how to say and broach subjects I don't otherwise know how to broach. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because you think about it as like a medium, an artistic medium, you'd think, you know, there are constraints, right? There, there's rhyme scheme or there's meter or there's like chord structures that are all more constrained by definition than just us talking. And yet, I think certain constraints give us a form to then figure out how we'd like to communicate the things we'd like to communicate. And I do feel like I often, I'm working on this, but I do feel like I communicate better in song than sometimes in dialogue. <laughs> I really do. Because it gives, it somehow creates space to say what I want to say. And maybe it's because it's written and rewritten and edited um, so you get to revisit and really hash through the feeling as opposed to saying something off the cuff. But um, for me, that's songwriting has always been that. And to go back to your question about success, um, if no one in the world were to ever hear my music, I would still wake up every day and write, you know? And I think maybe that's another good metric of success or metric of, am I doing the right thing? Um, and it's with or without an audience, would you still do this? Yeah, that's a really powerful question. And <laughs> it's a tough one. I, I mean, and also, you know, I, I feel like the answer to that question can change mm, and totally. change yeah. again and again. And that's okay, too. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I agree in that, that also to go back to like the gradual understanding, the gradual clear headedness. I think over time things become clear and day to day, I think if you were to like place all your stake in every day to day feeling, it would be like up and down, up and down, up and down. But what is the trend line of that feeling, you know, over time? Oh yeah. The days are tough yeah. <laughs> oftentimes. <laughs> um, so is there anything else about your wellness journey that you'd like to share? Is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on yet that kind of like helped you to arrive at this place where you're at now where you feel like I'm a successful singer songwriter music business person um and how how long did it take you to find what success meant for you yeah I would say even as you were saying that just now I am a successful blank I was like oh I don't know if I've I don't feel that way. You know what I mean? So I would say for anybody listening, like that's, I, I would, I would think that at whatever level you're at, you often don't quite feel like you've achieved success. So I think that's one thing, like I am absolutely not sitting here being like, I am successful. I don't, I truly, I don't feel that way, you know, because I think it's, I always see some, the next um, peak to ascend to. And then mindfulness is part of like the understanding of like, wait a minute let's look back at the journey and say okay you were eyeing this peak that you're on for a long time and here you are so I don't I I cringe a little bit at my own like 
inability to say I'm successful. And when I hear it, I'm like, oh, but I'm not, you know, there's like this uh, humility aspect. You're like, well, no, no, don't say that. I'm not, you know, you, you know, we kind of dim our own shine a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it's important to recognize the milestones that we pass. I would say, um, no, I think your questions are really good. And we hit on most of the things that uh, I feel have informed my journey, but um, they've all, most things have come back to the idea that like the comparisons um, are unhelpful to other people. And um, at some point, I think we all reckon with like breaking out of the mold of what's expected of us because that's no way to live a life. And I think for me, being an LGBT artist, that has helped because you kind of, you're breaking some societal, you know, structures that are in place inherently. And so it's kind of like, well, the whole thing, you know, maybe is malleable. And like, I can rethink the way I, you know, view my position in the world because of that. So in, in that sense, I, I see it as like a really big gift. And I think a lot of us have different, you know, a lot of us, anybody who's experienced being an outsider can hopefully tap into that and be like that as difficult as it is, does at least have some positive attribute in that, you know, it helps me question the rest of the world and my place in it. And so, you know, it's kind of like tear it down or like, you know, go, go off and, and follow what your gut says, as opposed to um, the rules that have been set for you. That's such great advice. And I, I totally resonated with what you said too. It's like, it's, it can be so hard to just step into a place of acknowledging how far we've come mm -hmm. and really seeing that as an opportunity to feel better about ourselves instead of comparing ourselves to others, really changing the perspective and comparing ourselves to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and being willing to like not just look ahead and look forward but to look behind too um and to acknowledge that i think that can be so powerful for people and i don't know this question just kind of came to mind as you were talking but like i know i struggle a lot with perfectionism and um you know putting things off procrastinating and I think a lot of artists do that because we're, I think the two are related. Um, and I think that it's also related to how we perceive ourselves to be in relationship to others around us. And it can feel like, oh, I don't want to get started on this new song I'm writing because this other person is, you know, I can't possibly finish before this other person finishes what they're doing yeah. or create something that's amazing and you know it can be hard too to like really step into that and be like here's what I'm creating here's who I am yeah. and I'm just wondering like do you struggle at all with those kinds of thoughts too or like is there anything that you have been able to figure out as a songwriter of just like how to move through those blocks and be willing to accept things even if they're not perfect you know putting them on spotify when you feel like oh my gosh but i could do so much better <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> totally and you will you will um do better and like you're always growing and changing but uh yeah i procrastinate all the time like as you were saying that in my head is like my to-do list and it's like oh crap 
you know what I mean? The things that I've been avoiding. And um, I have, a, I think it's a great question. I have a few thoughts on it. One, um, part of the difficulty in, and part of the reason I think that I procrastinate at least is like you said, the, the moment in time where I first sit down to write and the, and the moment that that song comes out, those are like often nine months apart. You know what I mean? They're like these huge gaps of time with work, uh, you know, throughout to, to, you know, write and record and edit and produce and finally get it out and distribute it. And so what feels insurmountable a lot of times is like, oh, I'm starting today and I don't even know what this song is going to be. And I know I'm not going to like reap the benefits of it. You know, if you consider those to be post-release until it's out and that's really hard. Um, and then in terms of the perfectionism thing, uh, there's a great podcast called And the Writer Is and it's hosted by Ross Golan, who's a songwriter and he interviews songwriters most of the time who are behind the scenes of, of big songs. But one of them um, was with Sam Hunt, who's a country artist who I get a lot of inspiration from. Um, he kind of changed the country genre a little bit. Uh, he like raps a little bit and he's kind of more pop centered. But um, he tells a story about, he was writing for a bunch of artists and he finally had his album release and his album was doing really well. And it was, he was at his party for himself and the music was playing in the background. And he was talking to some, and then he hears his own lyrics playing. He's like, damn, I should change that lyric. Like that's the wrong word. And he's at his album release party for this album, which has exceeded expectations in terms of performance. He's selling out arenas and he's like, crap, like I, I messed up. Like, you know what I mean? And he, he is someone that I aspire to be like, and it's like, okay. So in terms of defining success, like he's at this like kind of upper echelon that I'm, that I strive to be near. And he's still like kicking himself for like, not for wishing he had like saved it or like not, not put it out like it like it is and so that to me signals like no matter what level you're at you're gonna look back and be like i could have done better but at the same time you will do to do better you know what i mean like you know when you that song's out i i'm a proponent of like don't don't take it down you know it's out um go write another song and you speak to any artist, any songwriter, and they'll be like any songwriter who puts out their own work or own albums um, or just does sessions with other artists. They write so many songs and the hits or the ones that are quote unquote successful are such a tiny fraction of those. So a lot of times finding the needle in the haystack is about showing up and sitting at your instrument or sitting at your desk with a pen and piece of paper, however you write and doing that frequently enough where your catalog grows and then there's not, they're not all hits. They're just not. But anyone who says like the creative process, you hear these like famous songwriters uh, who have tons of hits under their belts. I guarantee it's a tiny percentage of the songs that they've written. So if you think about a failure rate, you know, who knows, it could be 95% of the songs never see the light of day, but the 5% is that upper part of the glacier that you see peeking above the water and you don't see the lower part of that glacier where it's like, you could call it failure, but it's not. It's really the part that's supporting the part that's above the water, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. And I mean, that's, you know, and that's also like failure from an industry standard, you know, mm -hmm. like there could be individuals out there who absolutely love yeah. some of the music that you're doing that, you know, doesn't happen to be in that upper 5%. 
but it all comes back to, you know, what you said about success is being defined from within and therefore like what songs are popular, what songs make more money at the end of the day, it's like, what difference does it make if you feel like what you're doing matters and you feel fulfilled doing that, you know? Totally. And I will say again, to like avoid speaking in like isms and platitudes, like I procrastinate all the time. I go back and forth on a track on a tiny, tiny, tiny little thing for weeks if I really feel like it's not right. And so I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Like, I don't know the, the true answer to that, except to say, eventually you have to set it free and then move forward and create the next thing. But I str- totally, I would struggle as much as anybody else in terms of like perfectionism and not wanting to start to sit down and write another song because I know it's gonna be forever till it comes out. Um, and the to-do list is so long, but I don't know. Remember why you started, I guess. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know? Uh, No, I think we covered most of it. I would say um, the thing I said just last, which is that try to remember why you do it um, and shut out the haters. Um, you know, because if if you start to tailor what you do to other people, you're probably still going to be unsuccessful. Well, I say unsuccessful in the sense that there's this amazing Jim Carrey gives this like amazing commencement speech where he's like, my dad took the safe route and was miserable and he was an accountant and he still lost his job. (laughs) And so a lot of people are going to tell you what you're supposed to do with your life. And I think particularly artists hear that a lot because people who are who have opinions about that often are less informed about like what it means to them or they don't try to understand what it means to them so um yeah I think the biggest way to prove haters wrong is to actually be happy and then then you win so I (laughs) keep following (laughs) that absolutely um and how can we find you um, my name is Greg Duffy. So G one at the beginning, one at the end Duffy on all streaming services and, uh, Greg Duffy music on socials. So, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. that's big now. Got a TikTok. Um, yeah. So Greg Duffy and then Greg Duffy music on all socials, um, to hear my stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg, for sharing. It's been amazing having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can take a screenshot of this episode, post it on social media. Be sure to tag at The Aligned Musician and... Greg Daphne Music. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Or you can also um, give us a review. Let me know what you thought of this episode and... Um, I got lots more episodes planned. If there's anyone you would like to see on future podcast episodes, please let me know. And thank you all so much for joining. Take care.